0: Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that told you to keep believing. This week on Heart and Hand, well, we wondered if there was a gap between Rangers and Celtic. The question now is, can Celtic close it? So, welcome to Heart and Hand and Podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by a veritable smorgasbord of range supporting oral talent. Um, joining me on the line, sort of live as it were, uh, is Mr Stephen Smith, former RST chairman.
1: Hello David, how are you doing? I'm grand, mate. How are you? I'm really, really good. Okay. Uh, I'm Sunday Oxford, Oxfordshire.
0: Yes, well, uh, as, as we were saying before we came on air there, it's funny that Rangers fans are sort of walking about singing, you know, that kind of, why do birds suddenly appear, and, and just noticing the flowers and, you know, the colours, and the sun's even come out in Scotland. It's almost <laughs> as if God had been sort of hiding while everything was going on. Uh, you know you know me, I believe in a uh, an interventionist God, and I'm... I'm Thinking that he might have been involved in sending the ball to the penalty spot for Rogic, but we'll we'll come to that. Um, we'll also be joined <laughs> later in the show um, uh, on pre-record, so uh, they'll be we'll, we'll be getting the thoughts of uh, Cammy Bell and Mark Dingwall. So um, we'll, we'll hear what they've got to say as well. I chatted to both of them to find out their thoughts earlier this week. So let's start obviously with the game you were there. Um, a Game on Sunday. Mm. Overall, what were your impressions of the match?
1: Well, I thought the, the, the thing that impressed me most of all, David, was the fact that we imposed our game on Celtic, who when no all said and done, laughably enough, are Scotland's champions. You know, we, we played the possession football, the pressing game, and, you know, to attack and you push your fullbacks backs up, exactly the same way we have done all season since Warburton and Weir came. And, and I think that was the most impressive thing, it, that the game went the way we wanted it to and to plan, so I, mean, I think that's the most satisfying aspect of it, as well as obviously winning it. You
0: know. I think that noticeably, Rangers were not in any way intimidated by, if you like, the aura of the opposition, or I wonder perhaps even about the physical strength of the opposition, for, for all we can sit and slag, the likes of Scott Brown or whatever, they have been playing at a higher level, for a longer time, um, and they've been used to, you know, they've had pretty poor European results. Who have, have brought us some enormous, uh, enormous gales of laughter, but they have competed at that level. And I did wonder if there would be a physical difference between the two sides, but there absolutely wasn't. And again, probably in my opinion, for the first time since we've had it, and I know that's a big statement, but I really do, I really do believe this. This Rangers team looks as though it might actually fully utilise Howie
1: yeah, it's kind of clear And I'll add the same kind of concerns and, and when I've listened to the manager after the game He's talking about how we need to augment the squad for next year And, and, and one of the characteristics He's looking for experience in the other one's physicality And I think anybody looking at that Rangers team Says, well, other than Big Kierman and Halliday And Danny Wilson when he when he's in the mood It's not really a very physical Rangers team In the sense, you know, that kind of Scottish dig it in And, you know... Um, uh, Take your opponents up apart, kind of kind of physicality. No, so we do actually need to beef up a bit. And I was worried about that because you know I was just expecting Celtic Hammer for us to do to do the usual. But if, if you're looking for a wee cameo to sum up how that game went, I just invite you to watch in the 80 minutes and look at Scott Brown versus Andy Halliday.
2: Mm.
1: You know, and and at the end of the day, Halliday cleaned his jacket out and picked his you know he took t- his of his pocket and Brown falls out of it. Yeah, you know. Laughable Scottish international captain, and uh, you know made to, made to look like a joke from a guy who picked up on a three from Bradford City.
0: Well, the most impressive thing about Andy Halliday is I mean, Andy Halliday made his Rangers career through sheer, you know, will and sheer force of effort. Really, um, mm. he, he turned up last year; he was at a contract. He turned up. He, he basically, I think, demanded a trial. Got one, um, <laughs> impressed you know, impressed them enough to to and then forced his way into the team and, and they stayed there ever since. So I mean, Andy Allardy is, is very much it's a cliche, but in his case you can see it's true. He's living the dream. loving um, the dream. Yep. I, I think that uh, the key moments in the match were uh, for me anyway, and I uh, touch upon this with uh, with Cami. Uh, uh, The key moments for me were the opening 15 minutes when it became clear that Rangers were going to play the way Rangers play and you could see that Celtic had to adapt to that and that to me was such an important mental breakthrough where it became quite clear that the manager's mantra of it's about what we do had been fully embraced by that squad and that it didn't occur to them to worry about what Celtic would do to them it just wasn't in the makeup to do that, no, uh, and sometimes no. that, that has cost us this season. Don't get me wrong, but far more often than not, our ability to just go, we believe in what we do. We know if we can do it properly, then you know we're go- we're, we're going to be very successful. And you could see that right from the first whistle and the opening quarter of an hour. And of course, the key thing is we managed to finish that
1: period of play with a goal. Aye, uh, it'd, it'd have been cruel if, if we hadn't, you know, um, I mean I mean that I we ended up Celtic ended up playing four five one effectively in isolating this, and I was a wee bit concerned at times at how easy they would get through midfield on the odd occasion they did attack. But really that big pitch was perfect for as you know, we could play a game in a big, a big pitch where we we're looking to knock the ball out to the keeper and play it out for the back, even when the ball's under pressure. And going back to your point about about Ock and Howie, it's clear that the players get to get to train where they get the ball, surrounded by traffic. And then have to try and keep it and are comfortable to get the ball when a player's next to us. Where the traditional Scottish thing is defenders in midfields hang about looking for the ball because it won't be controlled because we're technically not good enough and it'll be miscontrolled. We can make possession and, and you know sneak up there. This rangers team doesn't give up possession very easily, you know, any of them. And we've got you know, Big Keelan's a good example. He's he developed into a decent passer, which when they first came, I don't think any of us could actually say that. But you know, he's developed into a far better footballer. Clearly, because he's getting the training and the coaching, the feedback, the support in order uh, to develop. And key moments, David, I mean, if you th- think about them, you know, Griffiths hits the woodwork, and the ball falls to Roberts, and he's got an open goal and misses it. You know, mm-hmm. if that ball goes in, who knows what happens in, the, in, in that game? You know, and I think margins are pretty fine uh, in terms of in terms of victory. Griffiths hits the the woodwork again, uh, second half. Uh, you know, of the um, you know, Foden. Can they can hear it No Fodrum got but a touch that said, on so, that Stephen so, so, no, no. I mean Stephen The, you know, the margins the are pretty tight Stephen. But I haven't said that You know Any objective look at that game Would have said Rangers need it, And I think that the studio Full of Celtic fans That Sky had Were all saying exactly that Stephen I have to disagree with you there Fordham got a touch on
0: that
1: That was a save Aye right, okay Alright Sorry all right. I've no, You know something This is a real pisser Sorry I shouldn't be swearing But I'll swear anyway um, right. I haven't got I haven't seen the game back Oh right, I've i
0: seen I've seen the game back three or four times, I've watched every <laughs>
1: new play show, so
0: I mean I can I, I can I can assure you, know, you know, he got a touch in that yarn. He had a bit of luck of it coming off him and, and going back out. But no, you're absolutely right. Um mm. and uh, it's a measure of look Lee Griffiths' got thirty seven goals this season now mm. yeah yes the man looks as though somebody has set fire to a thumb and then put out mm-hmm. said fire with a hammer, but thirty seven goals in any language in any league the guy is talented, and the fact that we reduced them to really two long-range efforts—one in the post and Roberts just scored in that that one at the, at the end. Which, by the way, they took from five or six yards further forward from where the incident occurred. But uh, you know, we yeah. we won't go into that at the moment. Um, and yeah, fine margins. We got the break with a throw-in, which is fine because uh, Roy Aitken stole it in 1989, and uh, I think that that. You know, they haven't really complained too much about it, apart from the usual idiots, because I think there was a realisation mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday among the Celtic supporters that this sort of, you know, Sevco zombie idiocy that mm-hmm. they have distracted themselves with, they can't even blame Lowell for that. They have distracted themselves with this. And not all Celtic supporters, and I don't want to, I know right now, you know, we're enjoying being a wee bit of triumphalism and we've earned it. And certainly, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not telling anyone not to do it after what we've been through. But, you know, the majority of Celtic fans are not like that. They're the quieter ones, they're not the idiots on social media. But these guys have set their agenda and Mm -hmm. they've allowed their club to atrophy to a terrible degree, to to kind of the way that it happened under, under Murray with us for different reasons. And the result of that on Saturday was one team played with a freshness, with an effervescence. One support was utterly united behind their team. And I'd mentioned this on the pod that I thought that something that might work for us, and I think it did work for us, was there's a difference between turning up an expectation of, you know, come on lads, we can do this, and an expectation of turning up and going, do you know what, you better not mess this up and yeah, that yeah. W- that was very clear that that was what was coming down from from their end um of just this anger and disbelief at what was happening with us our guys um and and you're right we would have been you know, we'd have been satisfied with a performance, with some a marker mm. that said we can compete with you, um, even if we're not quite there yet. But to actually go in and get the victory, and I think, you know, by common consent, a, a very deserved victory, I think was a justification of all the work that the manager has put in over the last year, and both the the players and the fans have bought into that.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's a real genuine question about about all this Sepp zombie stuff and. Um, I just wonder what the people who are involved in it think it's going to achieve for it achieve? That, I I look at it and I go, Aye. And I look at Avengers and Ivericks and they're still there, strip's still there, players still there, history intact, recognised all the judicial and legal authorities, not the football authorities. And I go, Why are you going on with this? Because it you know, it, it's have, it's a flat Earth society, it's having no effect. No. So you're just completely wasting the time and I'm quite happy to let them waste the time in whatever way really they want to. I just genuinely think they haven't thought through about whether it, what it's actually legal. You know, it's, it's just displacement behaviour. And actually, as you say, it sets the tone for their kind of online stuff and their attitude. And actually, you saw the fruits of that where, you know, if they had made, when you Wynn and left, if they had made a far-sighted appointment, you know, a young, hungry coach, a Brendan Rodgers or a Roberto Martinez, and, and that individual would set up the infrastructure and the, and the production line and put the roots down for that to happen, you know, the academy, the scouting, which, remember, when Strachan was there, their scouting system was excellent. Yeah, it was. Then, then they, they would be so far out of sight that they'd be chased off smoke for a decade.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that would say, you going, just as long as we make progress and we just need to catch up incrementally and all the rest of it. But now, as you saw, on, and that, that, I think, is a worrying thing to their point of view. And the pleasing thing from us because we know that that difference is now marginal mm-hmm. and that we will be able to compete next season. And as you say, it is all about what you do. We have a style, we have we have that, we've got kids, you know, that are that are coming through. If you think about that team, uh, Mackay, uh, is a product to the um, you know the youth system, we bought Fodringham Fordring, for nothing, Wilson for nothing, Halliday in a three, law was in a three, class was in a three, we played two hundred grand for to Taverne. Uh, and the only player that the that we actually spent any money on was it was at Rangers, all, you know, five years ago, and and me Wallace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it shows that it's about coaching mentality and attitude as much as it is anything else. And football is a confidence game, and and you know, I think again, you saw that team internationals that were afraid of their own shadow, and I support really worried about the fact. Because They built us up to be this kind of um, this, this, this nonsensical team that we, that we would have put a cricket score by, mm. and we had some of our significant previous strikers talking about four mils and stuff. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just about mm-hmm. to come
0: to that, but just before I do, I, I just Aye. want to touch on something you've said there. What's become clear in the last few weeks to Celtic fans as well, their narrative has failed, it hasn't taken root out with mm. Scotland. Um, people will say, Ah, oh, you're a new club because they think it annoys us, whereas the fact mm. is. It's so clear that nobody other than people who hate us believe that. And people have not looked at this and Rangers Achievements this season and said, ah, well done, you're a four-year-old club and you've done well. What people are saying is this magnificent institution who, who was, you know, raped, and that's a strong word, but I can't think of another term that's more accurate, by various charlatans and frauds and crooks, and you know, the fans have stuck there. And they've mm. come through it together and now that they're, they're, they're back and it, it's a, a real fantastic wrinkle to a really fantastic story. That's how it's viewed. And all of mm. this, you know, all of this white noise around that from the Celtic support has achieved nothing than to make them look petty and stupid. And the thing that I never got, and I've said this before, if we are a new club and if we're a four-year-old club, the two things that that means is you invalidate any achievement that's... That you you manage to get against us because we're only a four year old club after all. You should be beaten. us it means winning mm. things in Scotland is is of absolutely no value to you. So you talk down your own achievement, and simultaneously it means that any reverse or any time that this four year old club goes and achieves something, it magnifies ours. So your aim, which I, I can't understand, that your aim to make us this tiny, small, new club it, it only serves to reduce what you can achieve and amplify what we can, now you mm-hmm. mentioned there uh, Chris Sutton and John Hartson, though not by name I'm happy to do so um, mm-hmm. I can't, I, you know I, I've been thinking about this now, I, I do occasionally like to, to come up with you know, a wee snappy epithet um, or, or you know a, a wee phrase and I, I'll chuck in or whatever, but
1: I think, you know, just pair of fannies. Aye. Do you know, uh, David, I mean, in, in, in much the same way that uh, one of the things that disappointed me about both Martin and Neil and Lennon was that, that they played to their knuckle-dragging element, you know. Mm. The Celtic support, like child support, is a, is a, you know, a big body We we, you know, they give got people that love their football and the club the same way we do and they've got their bigots and their knuckle-draggers and, and you know, it'd be foolish to deny we have that element too. But, Lennon, O'Neill, and Hartson and Sutton recently clearly just play to that, play to the knuckle draggers. You know, they tickle their tummy and say all the things that they that, that will make the the kind of numbskulls that inhabit, you know, the the Green Brigade and these kind of people. You know, they are they are they're, they're equivalent to the Taliban. They they tickle their tummy and I don't understand how they think that's that's a sensible thing to do. But most Celtic fans. And including the ones, for example, that I've I've spoken to since the game, they looked at it and they said, "You deserved your victory. And that was, you know, that, yeah. that was very well played." All that kind of stuff. And exactly the same way that if, if that had been the best, we'd have said, "Well, you know, fair dues." We wouldn't be happy, but we would accept the football reality of what happened on that pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, they're they wanting to to to, um, to play up to, to an element of people bluntly, and bearing in mind that banner that was that was up on Sunday, that was interesting, wasn't it? You know, the one thing that Rangers and Chelsea fans have in common is that both obsessed about Rangers. Yes. You know, their banner's about us, it's about us celebrating our glory, our club and our history, and all that. And theirs is about denigrating that rather than celebrating their own achievements when you know, I I, I don't get it. I genuinely don't get it.
0: Um the the thing about I, I used to watch um the Steve Coogan creation, Alan Partridge, right? <laughs> and, uh, and and think you know oh that that's, that that's you know quite a funny kind of overblown character ha 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 but now mm. having seen chris sutton on on the tv a lot this season um i now mm. just begin to think it was you know a, a documentary about people from right. norwich because the yeah. guy is almost heroically cretinous I, 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 yeah. it, everything about him he he speaks in a way that sounds as though he's permanently trying to coach a, a fairly reluctant but spiky jobby um, mm. out at all times. And the, his opinions have no sense whatsoever. And then you chuck mm. in Hartson. Now, Hartson can be found most weeks in the papers up here um, mm. touting for managerial jobs and telling us that basically every kind of major football figure of the last 25 years said he was a wonderful player. And... Mm-hmm. For him to come out and say this is the equivalent of Manchester City playing Stockport County was just so (laughs) so patently ridiculous because, for a start off, what it was was the top of the the champions of one team playing the champions of the other. So, you know, Mm. Manchester City more likely to be playing, say, a Middlesbrough or whatever, you know, it was a top of the the previously. So, it was a stupid thing to say anyway. But it was clearly Mm. not borne out by anything anyone had watched this season. And, you, you know, we keep hearing things, even this week, I'll say this for certain, he has slightly fronted up, um, uh, he's, he's, he's at least come out, Hartson's been cancelling media appearances, blocking people, taking the piss at him on Twitter. Do you know what? If you're, if you're going to talk like a big, wet, cum-filled fanny, at least have the common decency to come out afterwards and say, do you know what? Fair enough. Right, I made an Aye. ass of it Aye. And he hasn't even got The the fortitude To do that And I think mm. that, that speaks volumes about that guy And every week, mm. certainly every second week In the papers, John Hartson Will rail against the football establishment For basically not giving him a managerial job And the reason yeah. that they're doing so John, should be If it's not, let me spell this out for you Please just take this bit of advice It's because you're a fucking moron nothing more to It's right. because you're
1: I mean, a Harsson, fucking clown. I mean. I mean, the two of them are different In, in the sense that Hartson's just as thick as a castle wall yeah. You know He's the only BBC commentator That makes Robbie Savage look like an ox Don And so I just ignore him You know Because he's an Egypt. Sutton, you think should know better And I heard him a few weeks ago um, On a Radio 5 Saturday morning programme Basically, they were kind of reviewing the, the English Premier League and the kind of run in and what was going to happen. And I think he was absolutely vehement. Manchester City have got far too much to be out of this. They'll overtake Leicester City. You know, they've got Sergio Aguero, they've got strength and depth in their squad and all this kind of stuff. Just basically ignoring the fact that even at that point, Leicester were that far ahead of them that they didn't have very much chance of getting anywhere close to them. Yeah. And he was rattling on and on and on. And then... No more than ten days after that, I read in a newspaper article was going. Yeah, well, I always had confidence in Leicester and stuff like. Everybody's got this goldfish memory and forgot that a week and a half ago. Chris, you were just blathering on about Manchester City winning it, and it's kind of. I mean, he's intellectually and I understand now actually bankrupt, mm. and actually there's a nice wee metaphor for uh, for that, that cadre of Celtic players.
0: Mm. I think that that's the case, was that I think that. Uh, he's got Katie Hopkins syndrome in that he has controversial opinions to deadlines for money you know and it's it's amazing how his controversial opinion de jour happens to be what a newspaper wants him to have a controversial opinion on by that newspaper's deadline in return for which he gets money and you know I'm not going to go everybody's got to make a living and, and that if that's what, what you want to do then go ahead and mm. do it if someone's willing to pay you to, to as I say look like a six foot two tipped that's okay but mm-hmm. in Hartson's case, I think it, it, it is worse because to be given a platform to somebody who, frankly, I wouldn't trust with cutlery, I think no. is, you know, I, I, I think that that says a lot about what newspapers in this country think about their readers. I really do. And then they wonder why yeah. they're dying. But anyway, we've kind of rattled on for a bit. We'll come back at the end for a wrap-up. But let's now go to hear the opinions, first of all, of the Livingston Lothario and then uh, from the deepest dungeon, Mark Dingwall. Joining me now is the Livingston Lothario, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr Cameron James Bell. Cammy, how the hell
2: are you? David, how are you? Our communications have been terrible. We kept missing each other like a linesman, missing a throw in. We, we did indeed. And do you know the thing about it is, Cammy, we didn't
0: just feel sorry for ourselves. What we did is we found a way to win. So if Cameron sounds a bit more distant, this so week, folk than he usually does, it's because uh, we've had to go old school and get him in on, on the phone. But... Uh, Cammy, last week I think you and I sounded a reasonably optimistic and upbeat uh, <laughs> an upbeat uh, bell before the game But I think
2: that we were maybe a wee bit surprised by just how well we did uh, Surprised by how the game started uh, Really, really pleasing to see that we went out on the front foot uh, and really took it to them um, And I think although it's that kind of thing where you would kind of hoped but you expected in those two conflicts no-one, I don't believe, expected us to go out and take it to Celtic the way we did. And just, I mean, so refreshing, so fantastic to see.
0: I thought, I must admit, people were, were saying, when did you first begin to think... I told you that you off, off mic last week because I didn't want to make a fool of myself, you know, on on, on the pod. Uh, well, more than usual, but I said to you, I just had this daft feeling we would win. I didn't know why; it wasn't based on anything. I just had this daft feeling. But the the first time people said, "When did it hit you?" during the game, and I remember it very clearly. It was after five minutes, and watching again on the highlight, Andy Walker actually goes. Oh, Rangers are playing with so much confidence. It's you know, it's really impressive the way they're playing the ball out for the back. And it was. It was just like. I was like, we're playing our game, and it was that point it hit me. They think our boys think they're going to win, and it wasn't. They were hopeful about it. It's like they think if they do what they can do, they will win this game.
2: I, I think that when you when you have the opportunity to look back on it, I, I think for me the the, the clearest indicator uh, was shown. When we were attacking and Celtic broke into to basically two banks of four and five with Griffiths up top and his own, they were immediately they were immediately taken back in terms of that, and and that's clearly a game plan. Uh, Ronnie obviously decided to get them to try and absorb that and then hit us in the counter, which you know as I'm sure that we'll discuss in the pod very nearly happened with the Roberts miss. Uh, but for me, that was when there was a clear sign of not only our intent but also probably a little bit of their fear, a little bit of their concession. Uh, and that, that for me, was where I thought, similar to yourself, I thought first 10-15 first minutes, I thought, mm. and then obviously we got the goal quite early on. And um, I'm always very wary. I always think when you look back at all firm games, there's periods of the game where one team's on top, mm-hmm. where it's a dominance, and then it then swings the other way, and then the other team are now coming towards you. But I thought the way how we started the game really set out a statement about, no, no, we're not here to be pushed about, we are here uh, to have a go at this. And you know what, more than anything else, we'll go out fighting if we have to.
0: Mm, I think that, you're right, I think that was a key thing, that had Rangers been swamped early on, then it could have reinforced a lot of uh, a lot of... Ideas that people had in their head going into the match, you know, I think a lot of people presupposed that Celtic's midfield would run over the top of us. That Celtic would push our fullbacks uh, into areas you know defensively they didn't want to go to. Whereas in fact none of that happened, and it was, I mean, it, Celtic did appear easy in the game, and it would be stupid to say that they didn't. They made chances. If you watch the BBC highlights, uh, I think we were only up the part twice. Uh, if you watch their highlights, but if you if you do look at the game as a whole. What Rangers did was they sent out that message early doors that we believe in ourselves, we're a good side, you're going to have to adapt. And as you say, Celtic had to change to that 4-5-1 which left Griffiths, who is by far their best player and most dangerous player, it left him isolated in a role he doesn't really want to
2: be playing in. No, he doesn't. And I think that when you... So the BBC highlights on one thing. What a welcome concede, however, is... We're not talking about utter domination here. We had clear, clear definition in terms of possession of the football. Uh, Chances, no, not so much. And I think Celtic overall had more chances. However, we had more of the ball. And that's where, I think, more than anything else, if you look back on the last Old Firm game, the thing that really annoys Rangers fans isn't the 2-0 loss, it isn't the the significant um, gap in terms of where we were. It was a lack of fight. Mm. And what we what we clearly came out with at the start of that game on Sunday was, no, we are going to take this to you. And you know what, we've 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 learned, in my opinion anyway, so many lessons from Sunday in terms of how to probably absorb some counter and how to probably deal with that a little bit more, you know, efficiently and a bit smarter. Uh, corners is clearly going to be a huge development point for us, and I've got absolute faith in um, in Warburton and Weir to to, to address that. Um, but to a man, every single one of them stood shoulder to shoulder um, as a team on Sunday, as an actual team.
0: Yeah, they did, and they were better coached, you could see that. They looked like a side where everybody knew their job, everybody knew what they had to do. Now, there may be times where we have a a slight lack of quality, um, that the guys maybe just don't have the ability to do something, but you can't really get on to them for that, because all you can ask your players, and we've learned this, and we were, I think, a little bit spoiled, before, but what we've learned the last uh, the last few years is that the most you can really ever ask is a hundred percent every game. Work hard and training every day, and hopefully you've got guys with ability that can push you to that extra level. But they gave everything they had, and if they lost, it wouldn't have been for the want of trying. Whereas last year, that team turned up, knowing they were going to get beat, expecting to get beat. They got beat, and then they left. and that was what was most sickening for me last year. Was that whereas on Sunday the boys just went, "We're going to give this everything. We know we're a good side. We're going to do what we can." And I think that they got the reward. Well, yeah, they got a bit of luck with the the, the Patrick Roberts miss. Um, the well, people have said the the Griffiths one. I don't think I was luck because Wes gets a touch. That's to me is a great save. The one where he goes through his legs. No, the one at the end where he tipped Griffiths. Shot onto so the he bar? Does,
2: you know, he does, Yeah sorry, I beg your pardon. Um, I'm confusing Fotheringham and Travis. Yeah, uh, so no, you're right, he did, get a, he did get a touch in it. And um, in fairness, in a worst case scenario, if we had completed that and it went in, then I still think we were going to come away from that game saying, Do you know what, we didn't really expect to get through, we had a good crash at it, and we still would have been probably reinvigorated at uh, how much we took the fight to them. And that's the bottom line here. It's not the result. It's the result is absolute icing in the case. But you've mentioned in the pod before, we've spoken about it before, where um the last four years have absolutely reset and recalibrated our expectations of talent, of of, of passion, of people who want to be there for that football club. And as I said to you before, that that's really what we're looking for because we've seen the other side of that coin. We saw it last year. However, now what we've been able to actually do is build on that. And yeah, you're right. We've got some skill in some areas. We could probably do with some more elsewhere. Um, but overall, as I say to a man, um, we walked off that path deserved winners. Mm.
0: Now there was one other thing you were looking for from the game, and you called me afterwards because you got it. Because folks are letting it a secret for Cami. An old fun win is never complete if it's stuck Cami doesn't want to beat them four or five now. Uh, an old-firm win is only complete if there's something for them to moan about. So the throw-in leading to Barry Mackay's goal just made your day. That that was your sixth number in the lottery coming up, wasn't
2: it? I think, yeah, you're right. That was, <laughs> yeah, I think that was my bonus ball. Because what I really want, I mean, we spoke about it before. The win, there was no pressure on us on Sunday because the win-win scenario was, even if we were to lose, Ronnie still stays. And as far as I'm concerned, I would really love him to be there next season. I think the way how things are kind of shaping up now, I don't think he's going to be. But had we lost and he had been there or whatever else as well, he would have put that as another another feather in his cap. So the thing is, though, that what I really wanted was something for them to blame on. I'm a sonic referee, some sort of absolutely horrendous decision, which was so blatant in a replay that, you know, there's no way any, any expectation could have been given that it would have been the wrong call. But that's exactly what I wanted, and I'm so pleased we got it with a throw-in. So pleased. And, and you know, it, it's so fantastic listening to people now, because if, if we were to do this podcast and we had conceded a goal from our stolen, I think you and I would be absolutely dissecting how on earth that all came about. Mm-hmm. Um, but in actual fact, it just makes it even funnier. It just makes it even funnier. The only thing that would have topped it for me would have been um, that, as I say, it had hit Gordon on in the... In the Back and heading the way out, and then it would have been an OG, something like that. I wouldn't have cared. Some sort of Les more from off the stanchion, back in, and, uh, and then as I say, A got an OG. That just would have been
0: even funnier. My, um, my, but, uh, my, dream, of, my dream old fun victory will happen one day when, from a corner, one of our players shoves one of their players, and as he falls, he heads the ball into the ref, it bounces off him and loops up into the goal. Right, that's it, and and the guy was offside when he won the corner, and it wasn't a corner and, in the first place; it was a bad and, kick. And, the, and the
2: referee celebrates as well.
0: Yes, that that's what we're after, but that we'll we'll get that one day, I'm sure. Now, uh, just before I let you go, mate we talked about the game, and obviously Scott and I will discuss the game in, in a bit more detail. But what did it mean to you, Sunday? Because I think that. It's okay to say that it was an epochal fixture for us. It, it's it's okay to say that it was mammoth, and you know, Celtic fans saying, "Oh, these are going on." But like, well, you don't know what we've been through. You can't you can't understand it unless you've experienced it. And it was an enormous victory for us, and it was a cathartic victory for us. W- what did you take from it? So,
2: probably two two things for me, David. When I think about probably the, the past and the future, so. Um, I'm absolutely not going to downplay the achievement of winning the championship because seasons are won and lost as a marathon; they're never, they're never overnight victories. Everyone knows that. Um, did I think that the championship was significantly weaker this season uh, than it was last? Yes, but then at the same perspective, there's still decent enough teams in that division that could have caused us problems. We can all laugh at heads as much as they want, but as I say, I think as I say, we discussed. Uh, quite a lot over the over the season that um, you know it could have turned out very differently. The the team may not have came together the way it has. Uh, uh, Warburton's plans may not have have, have you know quite ha- hit the ground as as as, um, as quickly as they had done and all that as well. So for me, I think that what Sunday showed was is a development where we are as a team and where we are as an ethos, almost a almost a, a, a kind of running. Um, Mantra throughout the team that we will continue to work for each other. That we do not flick results; we work hard to achieve them, and we'll get them. From a future perspective, and I said this to you obviously when we spoke to each other after the game. There's also now a reason, and I'm I'm not the most hugely optimistic of people, as you'll know. But there's 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 I'm challenging people now, Rangers fans, Celtic fans, neutral doesn't matter, who it is, to tell me sufficient reasons as to why we cannot challenge for the league next season. Now I know that Rangers fans. Are hugely expectant. I know that we, we, you know, we want the best. We demand the best. You know, second place is not good enough for Rangers. However, I think that there was a degree of that which was almost blind optimism because we wanted to get back to that. We wanted to be back on, you know, the top, the top level. And so we just said, you know, let's try and go up against Aberdeen. Let's go and try out and go up against Celtic and Hearts, and let's try and you know make a decent show of it. Sure that, I don't see anything having now played supposedly the best team in the country to suggest to me as to why we cannot challenge for that league now. And that, for me, is the true statement of this season. Being able to compare this to previous seasons, especially last year, looking to where we are now, um, I'm just so full of optimism now. Not expectation, but optimism. Mm. And that, for me, is where... Um, It's so gratifying To actually see Some of the hard work Pay off Some of the commitment Some of the investment That those players Have made in our club And the fact that They now realise That they're on a journey And in actual fact Top spot Is very Very attainable
0: Mm, I, I totally agree I'm looking forward To next season Based on what I've seen As opposed to Just a sense of bravado
2: that's, yeah, it, it's almost exactly. it's almost like a sense of entitlement.
1: Yeah.
2: Now yeah. we know that Rangers fans will feel like that. As soon as we get back into the top flight, Rangers fans will say, you know, it's a legacy. We do not expect to sit second best. No, you sit second in the league. That's not good enough. So we understand that. However, these things take gradual time yeah. yeah, So if if we don't win the league uh, the first year
0: but we compete that now, what, now
2: what I expect to see is in actual fact we can do that um hopefully a lot quicker, depending on As you said beforehand, maintaining some of those players Potentially improving some of those areas Keeping Warburton for me is key
0: Oh yeah, absolutely
2: Um, However, I think that we're on a a journey That in actual fact the end might be much closer Than a lot of us originally thought
0: Agreed Cami, thank you very much my friend
2: David, it's always a pleasure
0: (laughs) Joining me now is... uh, the man from the Downstairs Dungeon, it's Mark Dingwall. And how are you, dear fellow? I've had worse weeks, Mark. I've had worse weeks. I have to be honest Yes, with
3: I, you. I myself am my usual radiant self. Yes. I'm sure you'll agree.
0: Always, always. Now, Mark, can you tell us a little bit, first of all, just what Sunday meant to you after the last four years? There
3: were so many false dawns and very kind of dark days, but so... I mean, to actually go into that game, I mean, my attitude was extremely relaxed. I mean, I know that, you know, um, you would have uh, have been a wee bit of a damn bit in the season if we couldn't beat. But we would have really need to have been beaten, like, six or seven nil for it to actually matter to us very much, I think. Yeah. So I went into it very much with the view that, you know, we couldn't possibly um, lose. And by that, I mean, you know, even if we'd lost by a couple of goals, it, it wouldn't have mattered to us. Um I think the the way that things have gone with Celtic, the the way their seasons panned out, the the unrest about the manager, the kind of realisation that, you know, they should be miles ahead of us. They don't have a they don't have a huge piggy bank because they've spectacularly screwed up in um in Europe in the last couple of years when they you know I mean even though they did qualify that the draws they had were, should, they should have walked in um, so the, the pressure was all on them you know and the only pressure in Rangers was not to compete
0: five or six nothing yeah I mean I must admit that crossed my mind we went into extra time I remember thinking we can't really lose this now uh, in terms of we won't be embarrassed uh, I hate to sound like a Celtic fan but there was only going to be one moral victory well, However,
3: you know, I think as well sometimes you, you do you do kind of over-intellectualise these things because in the run-up to you know we're all discussing these things but when it actually comes to you just want to win you know you want to win you want to have a bit of a sash bash uh, you want to have a bit of the noses in it and that's the way it was you know it's it's like you know this is the biggest Old Firm game since the last Big Old Firm game Mm. you know yeah and I think
2: no,
3: no, no, no doubt next year it'll be well this is the first competitive league game for such a long while what have Rangers done in the summer? What have Celtic done in the summer? Was the new manager at Parkhead. You know, do have Rangers spent wisely in, in building up the the squad. So you know, it's it's all part of the uh, the ongoing story. Even
0: if we are bad. Yes, that that's the thing. I mean, I was going to say, although you know, as I said, you realise well, we'll be the moral victory uh, or the moral winners rather. That that's what they do. That's not what we do. Um, and I wasn't. Well,
3: you, you know what I thought about it was. Fantastic was the uh, what was it, the, the the game was shown live in 114 countries around the world. If you look at the coverage that we had in England, if you look at you know Italy, France, you know journalists contacted me from from these places, and you know what they were saying was you know nobody cared. I mean, Celtic fans on phone and a, a range of updates a new team, and people were just you know what? Are you mad? Yeah. Just nobody interested, you know, just not interested in your obsession. The old Firm game is back, and it's the same as it ever was. And there's been a story in Rangers, and you know, put down into the depths of the Scottish, Scottish League to make, find their way back up. And all this, you know, semi-intellectual and, and old, you know, made-up legalistic trait that we've had from, from the opposition for years, in the real world, it doesn't matter. Nobody
0: listens to them. No, and I, I think that the last couple of weeks, I think Rangers' promotion, first of all, followed by by this and the, the mountain of coverage that, that's came the last couple of weeks has, has really shown that that narrative hasn't caught on at all. And I think that what's become clear to... To the, the the watching Celtic audience, is that they've completely wasted their time. You know that the, there's a great scene in The Simpsons when Comic Book Guy is about to die, uh, and he's complaining about uh, the worst episode of Itchy and Scratchy ever. And he says it it, it hits him just as the meteorites about to hit. He says, uh, "I've wasted my life," and that's that's what's happened the last couple of the last couple of weeks to to the Celtic support. They've realised that. We should
3: be. Do you ever find, David, that you're spending too much time in your own in these comic books?
0: Uh, me? No, never. Otherwise, I'd have to spend time with people. And you know me, I, I like to spend time with um, myself or dogs. And uh, other than that, I'm, I'm, that, that's why we do this by phone now. Remember, we used to do this all together in our room? Yeah,
3: <laughs> You're doing it live from your bunker, and I'm doing it live from my bunker.
0: That's it, you know, for, for completely different reasons and with completely different legal outcomes. Now, we've, we've talked a lot, obviously, about you know, where they should be and where they're not. But let's talk more about us. Um while it is fun to laugh at their pain and uh by the looks of things, we're going to be able to do so for, for quite a long time. And I think we've earned it. But uh, let's talk about Rangers now. Um, we've, I'm talking about the, the game with, with Bearwood and, and Camie in more depth. So what I'd really like to, to talk to you about is you're close to, to figures in the boardroom and, you know, through the battles and whatnot. What does Sunday mean to None those there, guys? Me, I'm telling you. Oh, I know, fine. But... um <laughs> You know, they've all said they would stand up at your, at your trial if it's for something really serious. But um, what what's the view from the boardroom for next season as to where we are and and realistically where we can go? Um, to, to, to be honest with with the fellows that have,
3: that I have know the board, they they're can I more you know, it's it's a series of crises, and and obviously they have responsibilities with regards to, say, um, you know, to taking on uh, Mike Ashley that are so serious that you simply don't get any information from them, you know? and um, so, so there is this kind of part of the club that, you know, I don't have a window into anymore simply because, um, you know, the number of court cases that are going on and how serious they are, you don't see that side of it. Yeah, they can't on, talk about that. Yeah, something it tied up with so many injunctions, it's so serious for the club that, you know, none, none of the none of the, the the directors will will give you uh will give you an insight into it because it's just too dangerous. On on terms of the what's going on in in, in the field then, I think it's um, it becomes a function of money and that King and the rest of them if you look at the the number of guys and their financial backgrounds on there, they're not going to Break the banks they're not going to go down a little of that you know so we say the the David Murray the huge staff signings
0: Key thing Rangers fans can do going forward, Mark, to support the club, because obviously there's, as you mentioned, in a number of court cases, there's a whole spectre of, of Ashley and whatnot. This summer, how can, how can Rangers fans play their part? Well,
3: I think the simplest thing they can do is to is, is to buy season tickets or or to buy max tickets and go regularly to the game. I mean, personally, I, I wouldn't pay for for buying anything out the Rangers shops and, until until
1: the, the problem was actually solved but if you look at every year we Rangers the
3: season ticket sales is the most important financial event in, in the club's year you know that's really you know you're getting money in for for a, a product that you don't have to really deliver until the final part of it until 10 months later it really is vital for the club to to have those sales and, and I think they probably will hit the 40,000 mark um I think we could be the feel-good factor going back to the top division the season we've had this year the whole kind of magic that's what up the war button and we are I think we could be hitting the, the 40,000 quite easily um, what will the prices be? I don't know I, I, I don't think they'll just do uh, you know, oh, it's a percentage rate or compare them to Celtic I would say they would probably put them back to what the price was when we were last in the top flight, right? I think that would make I think that would make sense, and it would be good PR. Certainly, that's what I've been. As I say, I, I don't have any particular insight into into the into the board's thinking because I simply don't ask some of these questions anymore because I don't want to embarrass people, <laughs> and also I just don't get the answer. But you know, from the time to time, I do fire off a, wee, um, a wee note saying I think this is a good idea, to have a look at that, and so that would certainly be from. But from my judgment of the partners, I think if you went back to the to the prices we last paid, people would realise, yeah, the club needs that. It is a bit of a hike, um, but it's not
0: unreasonable. No, I don't think so. And I think, as you say, the fans are, are very willing, especially when there are limited avenues for us to go down in terms of... Uh, Putting money into the club Right Mark If people want to To hear more from you Or rather um, If people want to go And post an opinion And then be banned for it wh- Where should they go On the World Wide Web? Well if, if they wish to Make a fleeting
3: visit To my website At followfollow.com um, Then you know We welcome all opinions But most of them Will of course be banned Unless
0: they Unless they agree with me <laughs> Thank you very much man. so interesting stuff from Cammy Bell and from uh, Mark Dingwall there um, we'll now just sort of wrap up because uh, you, you know you can overanalyze and, and all the rest of it but in my opinion and that you know that's all it is but I think that this and I, I am probably more prone to exaggeration than I think I am but I really do genuinely believe this Stephen to me that is the greatest old firm victory of all time and Will never be beaten, and I'll tell you why. Because never again, realistically. Although if the last five years have taught us anything, it's never, never count your chickens. But <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Um, but if the last five years have taught, uh, but uh, even if they've taught us that, let's let's put that to, to one side. Never again will Rangers and Celtic face each other as teams from different divisions. Yes. And therefore Celtic will never, ever... This has been almost forgotten. Well, it wasn't in the build-up. It's funny how it's been forgotten in the post-match. But we are, despite you know the club, the history, the fans, the stature, all the rest of it, we are a championship side. Ooh. And they are right. the Premier League champions and Premier League champions elect. And they lost to us. And yeah. they will never, ever be able to replicate that feat, Ever.
1: No, at the moment it's all pretty sore, and there's obviously been the, all the media hype around the fact that, oh, that you know, it's it's a game again, which which is interesting. Bear in mind, you know, it, almost everybody outside that little bubble you were talking about were saying the old firm are back, and and you know, I don't like the old firm as a term because it associates us with a club I, I want nothing to do with. Uh, but but I mean, they were all going on and on about that uh, forever. But actually, that's you know, at the end of the day, they'd be knocked out by a lower league side. <laughs> and I think they expected to beat comfortably. You know, now the, the other, you know, when we played in London, McCoy's lost 2-0, and I didn't even watch the game, because I was just so afraid of that, how badly we were going to get embarrassed and battered. But And, and the fact it was 2 nothing, I thought, well, that could have been a lot worse. And I think most Rangers fans I spoke to would have thought, well, you know, as long as we give a good account of ourselves today and at the end of full-time, if we'd lost it in penalties, it would have been sore, but we would have thought, well, we played really well and, and you know, in another day they played that game that deserved a victory and, 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 and fell our feet. But at the moment, uh, Debbie, we are living uh, to use your phrase, rent-free in their heads.
2: Mm.
1: You know, there is no doubt that they're looking over their shoulders and actually going... If they strengthen on the basis of what the progress have made in the last two? What are they going to look like when, they, when we play them? And they've had a decent pre-season and they make some decent sign-ins and they have to get a new manager and that manager will have to be funded. That, that squad will have to be clear about. You know, all of a sudden that changes the paradigm entirely and they must be really sweating they must be. I would be in their position. No, oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. Because they need to gut their squad and start again, and we don't. We need to add. Mm-hmm. Now, admittedly, they've got some talent there that is, is better than mm-hmm. us. Some, and I think Sunday mm-hmm. proved that, some, not as much as they thought they had. Um, whereas we need to add, and we're already going to chuck into that team. I mean, I, I you won't be able to persuade me that Forrester, O'Halloran, and, and especially Waghorn, wouldn't have made a hell of a difference on Sunday. No. So no. you know, the the, no. the fact is is that we've got players to come in and then there's the boys from Ackington, there's a couple of other players, we'll probably mm-hmm. another four or five sign It's healthy and it's fun. The manager's in place, the team ethos is in place. We're starting in a pretty good position, whereas they're gonna to have to rip it up and start again. And that gives us the advantage for next season. And I've said before, do you know what? See if we don't win the league in our first year back, well boo, so long as we're, we're giving a good account of ourselves and we're progressing. And that that's the thing. Eventually, their worst nightmare. And that was just a taste for it And Zar that that was almost like a trailer. Um, their worst nightmare is us winning the league And they know it's going to happen That's the thing, at the back of their minds they know Because they're never, you know No matter, even if they'd gubbed us they now, they're, they're not going to win the league every year in perpetuity At some point, we will win the league It's just going to happen yeah. They'll have a bad side or whatever right? And they know yeah. it's coming And when it comes It is absolutely going to fry their minds There's going to be like the, the amount of immolation that will happen In that club will be hilarious.
1: Yeah. Because I mean the difference uh, between us, David, that's that's the thing. You know, in nineteen eighty nine when, when, when Ranger signed Morris Johnson, it showed to me previously I had thought we were two, you know, both sides of the same coin and, you know, for the same kind of stock and all that and the same basically the same kind of attitudes and stuff. What that told me, and it's been reinforced a number of times ever since, and you know, exemplified by their T-shirts. Whenever they won, you know, under a nail, it was all about beating Celtic. Sorry, Celtic beat Rangers, no excuses, and 10 in a row with a zero scored out, and, and that being a Rangers test. All that So Utterly obsessed by us, and beating us is what they exist for. Whereas we exist to win and to be as good as we can be. And the glory for me, actually, at the moment, is we have a manager and a managerial team and players who are committed to that in the same way we are? You know, the bond between the fans has never been stronger. We've got people in the boardroom that are that, that we know are genuine, care about the club the way we do, and we've got people who the right way. Rangers are good to watch. We play good attacking football. We're creative. We're progressive. We don't try and kick people off the park. It's to a neutral watching Rangers football club. It's a it's a fantastic experience. And that analogy between the two periods, you know, we're basically under David Moyes. Stewardship, we we fell asleep at the wheel and let Celtic catch us up in the mid to late 90s. Uh, they've done exactly that, you know that that uh, with that manager who they thought was a kind of Norwegian uh, Jose Mourinho, and it's uh, you know it's not exactly turned out. It's turned out to be a cut twice. Steve McLaren have ended up with <laughs> he's done absolutely nothing and that board's been happy to do it and there's a real internal war going on in there so so we're positioned really really well uh, to go ahead but it's about again to go back to something you said it's about what we do right it's about what we do it ain't about what they do I don't care about them ultimately
0: no absolutely so um, yeah all in all pretty a pretty good week to be a bear I would say so uh, Mr Stephen Smith thank you very much for joining us and we will talk to you again soon
1: Alright, comrade, have, uh, have a good time, enjoy yourselves, and uh, let's enjoy pre season as well.
0: So, thanks very much to all the guys for agreeing to, to come and chat to us. Funnily enough, this week they were all uber keen, I, I can't think why that was. Um, shout out to Big Scott, who will be back soon. Um, he's he's just uh, got a few things he needs to attend to at the moment So we're thinking of Big Man But I know he was happy on Sunday as well A few housekeeping things If you want to tell us what you think And uh, if you want to even just uh, share your joy then you can get in touch with us. It's uh, on Twitter first of all. You'll, you'll find us uh, at ibroxrocks. That's r o c k s. You'll find me, and uh, you can also talk to Scott at, at Scott Hearthand and Cami at, at Beat That Beat. You can also go and talk to us on Facebook, where it's just search for Hart Hand Rangers Podcast. Or you can email us uh, ibroxrocks at playbackmedia dot All that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producers in London. Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers and um, just just to, to wrap up, it's been a long time, we've been doing this pod for six years, before this I was in the supporters trust for a few years when I was banging my gums and people very kindly agreed to, to give me a platform to do that and this was always just about providing the world with another view of what it's like to be a ranger supporter because the view I saw in the media and the view that I still see in the media and that you guys see in the media, isn't who we are, and it never was. It's it's a cartoon, it's, it's a pigeonhole, it's what people who hate us would like us to be rather than what we actually are. And for me, I always wanted to try and show the humour and the pride and the sense of fun that came with being a Ranger supporter. And that's why in the last six years of doing this podcast, especially what we've gone through, We've always tried to be a you 35-40 know, minute oasis of light-heartedness in the week while still reflecting on things that were, were important to us and things that were serious. We've maybe gone a wee bit to town on what was a semi-final victory or an old fun victory. We've, we've seen both before many times and we'll see them both again in the future many times, I'm sure. But Sunday was big. Sunday was Sunday was like the graduation after getting your life back on track, you know it was it was the the homeless kid who's lost everything who gets taken in and and eventually turns a life round and sunday was was the day of that and you know we like that kid, you know we, we need to go out into the world and, and succeed again, and that's what next season's all about but it it was given us a platform to do that, and it was given us the belief to do that. I have a tendency to to try and keep things fairly light and to laugh and joke my way through, through most things, but Sunday, Sunday was different, Sunday made me realise, made me realise, just brought home yet again to me, how much I love being a Rangers fan, you know, simple word, a Rangers fan, it's just a simple phrase or three words, a Rangers fan, but, but that's who I am, and that's who you are, and everything that's been thrown in front of you, and every kick you've taken, and every sneer you've You've had to to swallow from people and every joke and every piece of hatred that came at you all the while they were telling you you were the hate-filled one. That's why Sunday was for you and it was for me and it was for your kids and it was for your mum and dad and it was for everybody because this isn't a leisure pursuit, this isn't being fond of a football team. This is who we are. It comes from a place deep within us that we can't explain Um, it comes from a place deep within us that that we can't quantify it just exists it was with us from when we were children and it'll be with us until we take our last breath which will hopefully be a long time away I love being a Rangers supporter Uh, I love that crest I love the people who make that crest and people can talk about new club history it doesn't bother me because Rangers is the Rangers support. And one of the greatest things and one of the things I'm most proud of and one of the things that makes me happiest is that I can count myself among them. I love being a Rangers fan. I love other Rangers fans. And the pride that we have in ourselves and in our club is what makes our club the worldwide institution that it is. We are maybe not the best team in the world. We have our flaws, but we're the greatest club in the world. And we always will be, so long as there are people like us and future generations of us to keep that going, right enough pish, you go and take care I'll talk to you again this time next week, cheers, bye Podcast Network.